from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of the week that made us go wow. I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined don't be mad at me, James. It says here, joined by club kid turned best-selling author, James St. James. Well, in most recommended books of all time.com, yes. Party Monster is listed as number 17 among the most recommended books of all time. True crime uh, books, number 16. True crime, Helter Skelter, The Stranger Beside Me. Gone with the Wind, War and Peace. Yeah, I'm in very good company, yeah. The Bible. Congratulations, James St. James. And very excited to also welcome Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer. Great to be here. Oh, lovely to see you. Um, hey, by the way, I, I sat down and realized that this is our 365th episode so that means if you listen to the show every day it would take you an entire year to review all the episodes we've ever made and god help the person who does that (laughs) right or by the way nine weeks if you take weekends off and only do it for eight hours a day so um let's start with the countdown at number 10 number 10 i have my brother and my nephew visiting me And there's nothing like out-of-towners to make you see your city in a whole new way. And it's been a while since I've had a visitor because of COVID. And, you know, I just haven't had the tour kind of thing. So number one of my list of things to do, and maybe you guys know, maybe I'm the last person to know. This location is so close to our office. It is probably a half mile to two quarters of a mile. It's on Hollywood and Gower and is the Funko Pop store Uh, you know i just drove past this the other day and i didn't realize that it was there yes and amazing there's always lines out the door but you've never been in Uh uh-uh well that's what i heard there were lines we went really early on monday and we didn't have a line but for those the the pop people are those ubiquitous kind of just big fat-headed dolls but they always tie them into pop culture i have a group of like golden girl Pop Funko things in my office that someone gave me. There's drag queens. I've seen all those. But this store has everything a child wants. My nephew is nine, and he came with a list of two things he had to do. And number one on the list was Funko. I mean, they're going to Legoland, doing all that kind of stuff. But he knew about Funko. It's like a museum. You'd pay to get in, but it's free. And it's like every museum should be because the merch is right next to the display. So it's like all the Harry Potter people, giant, and you sit at the table and you take pictures, and then there's Harry Potter dolls to buy. You know, it's but, but there's also like really obscure like stuff, very nerdy, like niche stuff as well. Yes. That, that, like everything you could imagine from from like the Wizard of Oz to to Star Twilight. Wars, Jurassic yeah. Park. And but they're all done in these in these doll heads. And I'll, my favorite room, which this says a lot about me or our culture, is they have advertising. So it's like the Cheetos bag with the Cheetos tiger. <laughs> Mr. Kool-Aid is there. Wow. I, mean, I, get, I get the most excited posing with them. Do they have the Stella Stevens from the Poseidon Adventure? They might, but I don't know that I saw it. Oh, but I mean, it's everything you can think of. Every wizard, every I don't I can't even keep up. But it's so much fun. It's free and it's the perfect way to sell because you're like, oh, just come in, just ha- just hang out, and you just buy everything. Now, the pi- piesta res- resistance, you can customize your own punk doll. I'm sorry for people on the radio, I'm showing something, but that's me. It looks exactly like you. And look, you can have accessories. So I've got a kitty cat. <laughs> Is that outdoor kitty? Maybe so and that's your laptop, a laptop, which a glasses, a baseball hat, and a funky little beard that looks just like my beard. Now, you you customize these in the store on a computer, you know, you like, da, 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 and there's not that many choices. And you think, there's no way this thing's gonna look like me. I'm sorry, I'm, it when does. I got it's gonna be Blake's voice and my Funko. Mm-hmm. They make it while you wait, like 15 you, 20 minutes. 
That's incredible. I need I one. one every day. We should make this is the new gift, by the way. This is the new going to someone's house, don't bring a bottle of wine, bring them a Funko Pop. Now, that is such a good idea. It's so uncanny how they got your dilated pupils. I know. <laughs> well, we chose no eyelashes. We could have gone eyelashes. We said no eyelashes. Um, we made one of my brother, one of my nephew, and then, uh, of course, us being the selfish guys, we were ready to go. And he goes, what about Aunt Amy, our sister? <laughs> we're like, of course. So we made a great one with Aunt Amy. If you have an except, you know, you have striped shirts, glasses, beards, any of that really helps. I had a blast. And it's free. And everyone should go to the Funko Hollywood store on Hollywood, uh, right uh, west of Gower. I have a question with the Funko dolls. Do you think most people keep them in their box or do kids like take them out and play with them? My nephew wanted to take it out and I was like, no, it's a collectible. Then I'm thinking like, who wants my dolls? All right. Um, Moving on. Number nine, James. Number nine. I'm going to throw a cold towel on the the whole person. You're good at taking things down, so you might as well. Yeah, I'm very sorry. I rented Little Mermaid on Voodoo. Okay, I watched The Little Mermaid, and my God in heaven, what a joyless outing it was. I, You know, I went into it really, really, really wanting to like it. It's one of the best Disney musicals of all time. I was excited to see Haley Bailey. I think the world of her, she's a powerhouse talent. She is so good. She deserves many more movies she deserves a long career she's charismatic she's lovely i love melissa mccarthy you know i couldn't wait to see her ursula despite the makeup controversy but holy crap it's just dismal what did they do wrong how did they mess it up the cinematography is so dark and murky that I know it's underwater, but everything is like you're looking through like a muddy river to get a glimpse of anything. And the songs, the, the some of the best songs in the history of Disney catalog are there. Kiss the Girl, Part of Your World, Under the Sea. They sound like funeral dirges. Just, just, they, they managed to suck all the life out of all of them. And, you know, recently they did that just equally joyless Lion King remake a couple years ago. And it's like classics that stand on their own that are so beautiful and so wonderful and so fabulous. Why do you need to do a live action remake? There's just no purpose for it. I know why, because they need to make more money. They need to make more money. The one time it really perks up is Melissa McCarthy um, when she sings, uh, what is uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls. Yeah, she really, I mean, Melissa McCarthy gives it everything she's got. She's fantastic. Like I said, Halle Berry is fantastic. The guy they had playing the father, Poseidon, who is supposed to be this sort of larger than life god. here, Bardem? Is it Javier Bardem? He has no screen presence whatsoever. I'm sorry to say. Like, literally, like, they could have put, like, the, you know, the custodian from your high school in doing it, and he would have done a better job. There is no, he has no presence, no gravitas, no, there's, it's just. May I make a confession? What? I've never seen the Little Mermaid original. Tom! And I had no interest in seeing the remake just because no, of No, 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 no that, that, that's fine. But Tom, really, the, the original is one of the best Disney movies ever made. It is so buoyant. And even and better, it's only an hour and a half long. It's only an hour and a half long. You got me. Literally, if you like musicals, it has some of the best music ever recorded. Unlike. And- this live version, which was my complaint, is it's too long. I don't like all the it's added. Too yeah, long. It's, it goes on again. The scenes go nowhere, or whatever. But Tom, really, do yourself a favor. Please just watch it because it really will. It will take you back to your. It will transport you to your childhood, and it will make you feel just. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. When movie. was the original Little Mermaid made? It wasn't 89. that long. Ago. It was eighty nine because I was like seven it was one of the first 
Disney movies I remember going yeah. to the theater to see. It's not going to take yeah. me to my childhood. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, but but Tom, Tom, I think you would really appreciate. I haven't boycotted it for any reason. I think I would like it. I have to make the effort. I'm, I like Disney is not a street. Is it on Disney Plus? Which I don't. Uh, yeah, I used to, I got it on Voodoo and I rented it for like nineteen dollars or whatever like that. But it, I'm pretty it, sure it's on Disney Plus now. I don't have Disney Plus, but I was able to find this. So. It did okay at the box office. It took in half a billion dollars. So it did okay. It was supposed I just to do better. Know. It was supposed to do better. All right, moving on to number eight. Number eight. James, this will cheer you up then, I think. Instead of watching The Little Mermaid, you should have watched Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is the screen adaptation of Casey McQuiston's book uh, of the same title, um, that came out in uh, 2019. It's got a gorgeous cover. I've seen the book and I thought, oh, I should read that. In a nutshell, it's the story of Prince Henry, royal heir, prince, blah, 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 British kind of thing. And then the romance between him and the son of the president. And the US president, by the way, is a woman played by Uma Thurman. And it's it's like a hallmark romance. It's queer. But it's like a Hallmark romance, rom-com sort of thing. And the accents are kind of all over the place. like Much like yours, Fenton. Well, thank you for catching that as I was (laughs) swerving all over the road here. It's a Nepo baby fantasy, really, because, you know, they're both sort of like, what are you doing in life? You know, they sort of have such privilege. And from the American perspective, of course... The president's son helps his mom get reelected in Texas and is sort of useful and comes from a sort of working class background, whereas the prince is just cursed. His life is ruined with privilege and monarchy and, and what have you. But James, I think you should see it because I think you will declare that everybody in it is the most beautiful person who ever walked. I've earth. not seen it, but the clickbait headlines I've read, because it's all over the internet, James, so I'm surprised you haven't heard but is that it's the most realistic homosexual love scenes? I've heard well, that. I, I do, yes. There's, there's two scenes I really want to talk about, actually. Um, because I was watching this thinking, this is complete rubbish, but I'm loving it because it's, you know, everybody looks gorgeous and it's romantic and it's queer. I, so I was, I was on board for the ride, but not really believing any of it for a second. And I was thinking, if I had ever watched Emily in Paris, it would probably be, this is what it would be. Exactly. The next scene there in Paris. And this is where it goes so wildly. I think this is what you're referring to, Tom. Um, The prince says, I think we should make love tonight. And then the president's son says, because he hasn't been gay before, he says, well, who does what? And the prince replies, (laughs) I went to an English boarding school. Trust me, you're in good hands. So it's incredibly, not explicit, that's definitely the wrong word, but upfront about what's going on between the sheets, I suppose. I also read that it has an R rating, and people said that it has no more sex than a heterosexual PG movie would. And I would say, Tom, even less sex, because apart from the words, there's very little action. They will encounter each other and push each other against a bookcase with pent-up passion. But apart from a snog, that's about it. There's also a great scene where they get caught out and um, this sort of PR woman who works for the president says to the president, you put your dick into the heir to the British throne. And that Prince Henry speaks up and says, well, technically I'm the spare, which is just a fabulous line. And then she turns on him and says, listen to me, little Lord Fuckleroy. I will Brexit your head from your body. I mean, it was like, <laughs> kind of funny lines, I guess. So um, there's no dungeons in the White House, no glory holes in the palace. Is that, is that? <laughs> no, it, it's, Tom, it's very wholesome in that respect. Despite a certain amount of frankness, it's very wholesome. Anyway, in the end, finally, an English person shows up and it's uh, Stephen Fry as the king, which is kind of like, okay, if you say so. And the king is saying this relationship has to end. And they look out the window of the Kensington Palace and, and they're like, oh, crowds are gathering. 
So just like sort of with Princess Diana, everybody flocked to the palace in support of the prince and his relationship with the president's son. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's forgettable, but it's really nice that it was even made, I guess, in the first place. I, I will have to check that out, yes. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Um, two new shows uh, for your viewing pleasure on com, Inside the Producer's Studio with Candy Muse, and Jimbo Presents, It's My Special Show, and both of them air on Mondays. Oh, and coming up September 11th, T.S. Madison ate that. So that'll be three shows. WowPresentsPlus.com. And somebody may have a cameo on that T.S. Madison show. Ooh, Blake, you? Maybe. Um, well, I also want to say that season three of our, our podcast, Night Fever, is winding down. This week is our last episode, our 10th episode. So if you haven't had a chance, please binge watch or listen to all of our podcasts, Night Fever, wherever you get your podcasts or streaming on Wild Presents Plus. I love that. Thank you. Blake, do you have a question? I sure do. So you talked about Holly Bailey earlier, James. Holly and Chloe Bailey, Candy Burris, Tina Lawson, and what WoW Liberty were photographed together in the VIP pit at the ATL stop of Beyonce's Renaissance store. We'll have the answer right after the break here on the WoW Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders WoW Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the WoW Report. It's Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. But first, the answer to a teasing question from Blake. Yes. Hallie and Chloe Bailey... Candy Burris from the Real Housewives of Atlanta and Escape, Tina Lawson, who's Beyonce's mother, and What Wow Liberty were all photographed together in the VIP section at Beyonce's concert in ATL. Tom. I think I know. Does anyone want to guess? Go. I think it's the same Wow Liberty who Beyonce gave a shout out to from the stage who is featured on her most recent album. And is it T.S. Madison? It is T.S. Madison. Watch her new show, September 11th on Wow Presents Plus. Beyonce Mm -hmm. said her name on the stage while T.S. was sitting there watching Beyonce. Come on. You know, that is amazing. We we had Kevin Aviance on the show this season on on the podcast, and she has been giving flowers to the, the... People of color, queer community, music legends, I you know, drag LGBTQ legends, T.S. Madison, Kevin Aviance. I mean, it it goes on and on. It's she's she's been so gracious this tour to the community. It's it's beautiful to see. And let's not forget Big Frida. And Big Frida, yes. Oh my god, of course. Yeah. Um, okay, let's carry on with our countdown number seven song. Number seven. This is a continuation. I said there was two things. My brother and my nephew, my nine-year-old nephew are here. Um, and they're doing all the, you know, we're doing Universal. We're doing another. But there was two things you wanted to see. One was the the funk, the Funko Pop Store. And the second was a pizza place he'd, read, he'd, he'd seen online or something called Dobrik's. It just so happens that it's steps from my home. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm right below the Sunset Strip. You walk up the stairs and there, it used to be this little tiny Starbucks that went out of business during COVID. And now it's the hottest pizza restaurant on planet Earth. No idea. Takes a nine-year-old and uh, from New Hampshire to figure it all out. And then I found out that one of its uh, owners is David Dobrik. Does this ring a bell with anyone? He's one of these YouTuber, like, you know... 80 billion views, and he's kind of controversial, it turns out. He kind of like... Yeah, I've seen him on a bus before, because I think he has a show on Discovery+. Plus. Okay. So I'm still digging deeper, but I was just blown away that I knew nothing about it. I have to get out of the house more. I have to get off to Turner Classic Movies, James. I have to take a break, and I have to go (laughs) like 10 feet from my house. Um, It's this gourmet pizza. It's not good for anybody, and it's so delicious. It really sells by the slice, and it's a tiny little place, which makes it all feel that much more exclusive and fabulous. It's like seven, eight bucks a slice. But there's something about the dough 
And then the cheese, I can't explain. It melts in your mouth in a way, and they're just decadent. Like the pepperoni pizza is honey pepper. It has honey drippled on top. So it's it's savory and sweet and delicious. Um, We took a two-hour bus drive, you know, tour of L.A., which... I realized I can do by myself, but it was okay. We went, I didn't have to drive and went around. And as we, as we left on, you know, we were dropped off on sunset and we were waiting in line for the restroom because everybody had to go after two hours. There was this other little kid from Pennsylvania who's like, are we going back to Dobrik's? So it's somehow, it's like what Kylie Minogue is to gay people, Dobrik's is to nine-year-old boys. They just all know about it. They all celebrate it. And uh, and I'm just letting you know. I'm not saying you'll go there all the time, but it's one of those new places that this is the time. If you're going to go and do it, do it now. Your nephew sounds like a real influencer. Like I, I love the fact he's he's got his finger on the pulse about what's happening in LA. Yeah, it's just crazy. And they were both super excited. Like the 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 Funko thing was super exciting, and this pizza thing was super exciting. And it's literally, I used to I used to work out at the Sunset Tower. Uh, gym, and I loved it because when I was done, I'd cross the street and have my coffee. And I imagined my life like Barbara Streisand's home, where she has a barn and 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 all the shops are in the basement. I used to just yeah. pretend that I owned all of the real estate, and that I just I had a Starbucks that was just open to a select few and myself. So I, you know, whatever it was me being insane. But uh, now it's my Dobricks. So come, please, if you guys are in the neighborhood, I'd love to take you out of my Dobricks. You'd really love it. I love it. But people uh, are, that's on, David Dobrik is a bad guy, but we'll find out more. So it's on Sunset between La Siena and Crescent Heights, right? Yes, it's a yes, it's it's across from the Sunset Tower and yeah. near the Andes Hotel. Yeah, and near Carney's, the uh, the hot dog train car. Thing. Hmm. Let's move on. Number six, James. Number six. I hope I can do justice to the monumental majesty and fabulousness and importance of this next work that I watched on Max, on HBO Max. It is Taylor Mac, drag queen Taylor Mac. He does, it's called 24 Decades of Popular Music, okay? It's a 24-hour marathon that he performs, 24 hours in drag. He does, he covers 24 decades of American popular music, starting from 1776 with Yankee Doodle Dandy, going to 2016. Every decade, he he, he does 239 songs with 24 costume changes. These costume changes are like Lee Bowery-esque. It it is it is the Coquettes meets Divine David meets Ethel Eichelberger meets Hedwig the Angry Inch meets Sasha Velour. It is the most ambitious thing you will ever see. He starts off with a full band behind him and the costumer on stage and a piano player and, and he's going and with every decade he loses somebody. Somebody gets taken off stage. Okay, the the violin player goes, the piano player goes, the ukulele player goes, and it represents the loss that we all had from AIDS of the great, the great um, artists of our time until he's left alone on stage at the very end, just him with no vocal, with no accompaniment, no no costumes, no nothing. And he's just stripped naked and he's singing these songs. And it starts off, you know, he starts off doing like Yankee Doodle Dandy, which he describes as it was not, it was originally a British song making fun of how effeminate American men were. And, the, the, you know, the put a macaroni in its hat, blah, blah, blah. But then the Americans reclaimed it and made it about about the war. And he talks about that. And then as each decade goes on, these songs that we know in in, you know, there's um like minstrel songs that are just that that are just horrible, horrible songs, pub songs that people sing, sea shanties that he's singing. 
and he has these costumes that are just so outrageous. They're just, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And he's telling the stories of these songs and just how basically horrible and racist. And hopefully there's there's songs about the Trail of Tears in which, you know, the American Indians were slaughtered. And when he gets to my old Kentucky home, when he's like doing, um, you know, uh, Civil War in my old Kentucky home, da, 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 he's talking about how it's still to this day, the Kentucky state anthem, even though it talks about the darkies who are, I mean, like it, it wasn't until the 1980s that they realized that maybe the lyrics about darkies shouldn't be in it. You know, when he does, when Johnny comes marching home again, when he's in World War One, and then 1930s, the government took my home. There's a song about, you know, the, the Dust Bowl, and there's songs about the Depression. And then in the 20s, you know, happy days are here again. But the happy days, this was 1929, as the stock market is crashing. Mm-hmm. He's just telling the story of the, of basically minorities and queers and the native americans and everybody who's been repressed through these popular songs that he keeps going and going and going he has his audience participation and at one point during the 80s there's a giant red white and blue cock representing a balloon that's down and there's a red there's a red communist balloon and they're fighting each other of a cock and they're fighting, and they both come at the same time, and that's like, like backroom sex and AIDS and da da da. Like I said before, it's Judy Garland and Carnegie Hall, where his voice is getting raspier and raspier, and he's more goth, but he just finds this well of energy that keeps him going, keeps repelling him, and through, and, and he keeps losing people on stage, losing people on stage. And every time someone goes, it's heartbreaking. When the costumer goes, everyone is crying because these costumes are so amazing. When the piano person who has been there by his side the whole time, when he goes and it's just him on stage with this raspy voice singing a song, a punk rock song about AIDS in the 1990s, about what they did to me, what the world did to me. And you are just sobbing. It is one of the most amazing experiences of my life it is something that every drag queen every performer wishes they could do it's 24 hours 239 songs the the documentary itself is 24 hours no no no, the documentary is not the documentary is only like two hours they 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 cut it down to they just you know the 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 high points and everything like that. But I I do have to say that, you know, (laughs) 20 years ago when my book Freak Show came out, Theron and I did a 24-hour marathon in the gallery with WOW TV. I don't know if you remember this, in which I tried to sell my book for 24 hours live on television, and we brought in people off the street. We brought in bands to come in and play, da-da-da. And I managed to go 14 hours, and I don't know how the hell he did it. It is just, it is a feat that is worthy of Guinness World Book Records. Does it work like, I mean, cutting it down so drastically from 24 hours to two, that seems like, I mean, obviously it does work because it's blown you away. But It, it, It really blew me away. They managed to get... You know, you you get every single decade. You get a, a you know a song from every single decade that goes from the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, or you know, and then by the time you get to the Civil War anthems of the 60s and the 70s, and then he's doing some sort of oh, he does this one great thing where he does uh, a Ted Nugent song that's about fag bashing, and he says, you know what, we're going to reclaim this shit. We're going to turn this into a romantic ballad for gay junior high proms. And he says, everyone, I want you to grab a same-sex partner, and I want you to hold them close and dance. And he sings it in a very somber, soft voice. And, that just tur- and he says, fuck Ted Nugent. We're going to make this a gay anthem. Da-da-da. And it's just, and he is, he looks like David Hoyle, Divine David. 
He has that same energy and that same sense of humor. And he's just cracking jokes throughout, but he's telling the history of it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I wish everybody I want, I just, just stop what you're doing and watch it. Cause it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. That's Taylor Max 24 decade history of popular music streaming on max. I'm definitely going to watch it. All right. Number five, number five, the young Royals. So James, this is what you were hoping I was going to talk about. So what happened was I watched red hot. Um, I keep on saying red hot. No red, white and Royal blue, which is on Amazon prime uh, just came out. And, and then I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but the young Royals, this is a series. Um, they just wrapped shooting the third season. So there are two seasons on Netflix and it's Swedish, and it's sort of similar in that it is a story of the prince of the royal family. Swedish royal family, royal, yes. A fictional to, Swedish royal family. Well, yes, yes, I should say, but yes, like Red, White, and Royal, it's all completely fictional, uh, sort of. Roman Aklef, I guess. Anywho, um, the, so the prince, very handsome prince, played by Edvin Riding, because um, this is Swedish, let's not forget, is sent to a boarding school where he meets... God, it's the Prince and the Pauper, really. It's a queer version of the Prince and the Pauper. He meets at this very posh boarding school a boy who's going to the school, but who doesn't board, who's a day boy, and who's on a scholarship because he has a beautiful voice of an angel. And his, he is played by Omar Rudberg. And... <sighs> I practically expired on the spot when I, <laughs> I, I was like, this person, this is death in Venice. Beautiful. I mean, he's not yeah. blonde, but he's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, it, I think why I, I do prefer this to red, red, white. Oh, I'm so glad. Yes. That uh-huh. one. The reason I prefer it is because it's a series. So there's more space to dive into the characters because the, the Red Hot thing is is the Red one, whatever you're going to call it, is great, but it's a movie, and they just have to get on with the story and move it on, and it feels like it's told in very broad strokes. Whereas this can really, you know, that Swedish noir thing, they really love to conjure up a mood, and it's absolutely beautiful, and um, made me wonder, I was like, well, hang on a second, which came, which came who's copying who here? Um, turns out that the Young Royals debuted in July of 2021. So in technically, it's way ahead of uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue. But Red, White, and Royal Blue is based on a book. And the book came out in May 2019. Okay, so okay. who knows? I thought it was interesting, though. And they, I'm only a few episodes in. But interesting, made me think. Queerness has become kind of a metaphor for everyone's journey of everyone feeling like an outsider. Yeah. Because in in one sense, these these shows are really radical in the sense that I've grown up on media that features gays who are tragic, lonely, doomed to die, what have you. And this is so nonchalant about that. But, But then I also felt that it's not like it's a provocation to Republicans. It's like it's almost... You get the feeling everyone's just, yeah, it's okay, it's fine, in the sense that queerness is a metaphor for a, for a wide general audience rather than a specific... For, for being an outsider, yeah. And I do think that that is sort of emblematic of how the the kids today feel about being gay. Yeah. It's just that everybody is, is just there. It is just, you know, a part of everybody's world now, which is an amazing step. But the actors, like you said, are so fresh-faced and adorable. And I love that it's because it's Swedish and it's not American perfection that they have little spots. They have acne. Yes. They have acne. They aren't they have braces. They aren't perfect. They aren't all just I mean, they're all just breathtakingly beautiful because they're just in the prime of their bloom. You know, they're just but it's just, it's a beautiful and sweet story. I watched it. We talked about it, I think, when it came out in 2021. But I'm glad to see that it's still on your radar and that it's still going on. 
Yeah, I'm excited for, for to, to, to watch the whole thing. Uh, let's take a break. I just want to let you know that Drag Race Down Under is playing now on Where Presents Plus, but coming soon, right after Labor Day, Drag Race Germany with Barbie Breakout. And so excited, the marvelous, the one, the only, Diane Brill as Ooh. resident judge. I have to tell you, it is so off the charts exciting. Mm-hmm. So you can I, you know, I just want to just I just want to personally say you know Diane Brill has been one of my great inspirations in my life she's been one of she's been a mentor she's been a, a wonderful just she's a part of me that just at every time you say Diane Brill I get chills and I you smile too. and I am so happy that she's a part of this I think this is so exciting and I just can't wait we're so lucky to have her because she is a superstar she yeah. she is she is like Beyonce like Taylor Swift it's like <laughs> It's been a crime that she. This is a this is a great moment, I think. Yeah, she's fabulous. And it's coming to Wow Presents Plus. That's what I should have said, of course. Well, you knew that, right? I didn't have to point that out. Everyone knows. Um, Blake, have you got a question? I do. This person is eighty six today. He was considered for the role of Michael Corleone in The Godfather, and he started one of the world's premier film festivals. Who is it? We'll have the answer for you right after the break here on The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. Wow. And, um, Blake, you had a question for us. Yep. It's his birthday today. He's 86. He was considered for the role of Michael Corleone. In the Godfather, and he started one of the world's premier film festivals. Who is he? Thank God he didn't get the role of Michael Corleone. Yeah. And let's look at together. One, two, two three. three. Robert, Robert Redford. Redford. How on earth could Robert Redford, blonde wasp, you know, I mean, you could not get more all American. He was going to wear a wig, probably. He was going to wear a wig. He was going to do it. He was going to go brunette. I swooned over him. I mean, take me back to my childhood. I swooned over him in The Great Gatsby. I thought it was oh, so, so stunning. Um, Inside Daisy Clover, where he's the, he's the gay man that she falls in love with. She's the young child star. <gasps> Inside Daisy Clover, you've got to watch it. All right, let's carry on with our countdown number four. Number four. I have not been political for a long time on the show or on my Facebook page, and I'm not going to get political now, but I told you I've been doing all new things. I blamed the first two of my brother and my nephew visiting. This was because this is where we do rest in peace. Usually I want to do a little rest in prison. It's a little <laughs> somebody who used to be president of the United States, uh, this whole thing is happening right now in Georgia and the fabulous Fanny Willis. Woo, love her. Uh, I'm learning more about her. I love her. But I was the, the thing I had done is I was watching um, cable news for the first time, and I swear to God, a year because the story was breaking. The indictments they they announced the indictment were coming out, but they didn't say what they were. And so you know everybody was up and and doing. I still hate cable news, and they had nothing to say, but they were just filling time. <laughs> But I waited until Fanny Wills came on. And she, I love, she sort of said, like, listen, I'm going to tell you what's happening. Then I'm taking a couple questions. Then I'm going to bed. Because it was something like, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night or one in the morning or something. I'm working all day. But listen, he's a, uh, the, the man whose name will not be mentioned is such a slippery eel. I, I always kind of cringe when people do a victory lap. It's too soon for that. But, mm. but boy, what a shit storm. What a continual shitstorm caught and the only person you can blame is him everything he's done is so wildly um yeah. uh, documented and what's still <laughs> frightening and you're talking about how you know and not to be negative but how queer things are the new you know norm or whatever and i think it is mm-hmm. first generation but you know the support for you know who is stronger than ever stronger than ever my anxiety is that even to speak of it is to shade it in the fact that 
rest in prison won't won't happen. You know, even though there's now, even now there's like three indictments. But uh, one of the great things about this indictment, without getting into the weeds, is that he cannot pardon himself. That is no get out of jail. A new a new door has opened and and created new possibilities. That's all I'm at. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's a done deal. Whatever. I went crazy, but I did have to do my little RMP thing. Um, I, 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 you know, I, someone was saying, are you dancing in the streets yet, James, on Twitter, uh, on X? And I said, no, because, you know, indictments aren't convictions. And we've been burned so many times. I don't know how he has, he has 91 counts against him at this point. And there's still more coming down the, the pike. But it does seem like the needle hasn't moved at all for the Republicans. They're still behind him for some reason in each indictment. He's doing his, his persecution complex and, and it works for him and it works for, for his followers. It so, works for his followers. I do want to say, you know, as DeSantis is plummeting, I, I think that this Vivek Ramaswamy, I think everybody needs to keep their eyes on him. He is absolutely terrifying. And I think that if Trump goes down, Vivek is going to be the one that is going to rise, and it's it's he's he's a despicable QAnon conspiracy touting uh, madman, and oh. so watch out. Well, let's let's uh, fingers crossed, right? My wild of the week does go to Fanny Willis for being such a you know yeah, God bless her, strong. Doing yeah. her job. And and the Rudy Giuliani, the fall of Rudy Giuliani is just and Trump won't help him with his legal fees now. Have you heard about this? It's yeah, just crazy. Just crazy. It is. All right. Let's move on. Number three, James. Number three. Number three. I'm reading a big historical book, a new book that came out called The Power of Thrones, a reimagining of the Middle Ages. Okay. It's by Dan Jones. It's a reinterpretation of what we used to call the Dark Ages. And um, it starts basically with the sack of Rome, the fall of Rome in the 5th and 6th century. And it goes up to the beginning of the Age of Enlightenment, the the, the sort of the beginning of, of the Middle Ages, the 13th century it's about a thousand years in which christian dogma has always told us that after the death of christ the lights went out in the world and nothing happened and i have this book timetables of history here which is fascinating because it tells you year by year starting in the bcs every single historical literature religion, philosophy, visual arts, music, science, technology, and daily life of every year that happens on the planet. And it, in the Greek and the Roman times, it's just filled with every single day. There's just things happening. There's just monumental things happening. And then around the time after the fall of Rome, there's when, when the barbarians take over, right? I don't, there's, there's a whole period there where there are the Goths, the, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Vandals, the Alans, the Franks, um, the Huns, uh, and they're all just they're just raping and pillaging and destroying the West. And it's for about a thousand years. There's no there's no culture. There's no songs. There's no there's no literature or anything coming out for a, a good thousand years. And it's always perplexed me this era. Because I sort of lump them all together, but this does a really good job of explaining how Rome fell and it and that domino chain all across the world in which it was just nothing. But we, we entered into a cold climate era that was sort of like it wasn't conducive to society building all sorts of things. There was a group called the Burgundians that I'm really sort of obsessed with that I love. And they were famous for being short, fat, round, and particularly repulsive because they had these squat little noses and they buttered and they, they greased their hair with sour butter. And that's (laughs) what made them so repulsive to Burgundians. The Burgundians, yes. Then it also, where I'm at right now is the age of Justinian in Byzantium. 
and Justinian <laughs> is really fun. He's he sort of is rebuilds the laws and the civilizations and everything like that. But he has a wife, Theodora. And uh, Charles Bush did a play called Theodora, She Bitch of Byzantium back in the 80s. And I just want to describe what the book tells us about Theodora, okay? Because Theodora was known for her porcelain complexion, small mouth, and dark eyes that gaze serenely from beneath opulent jeweled headdresses. Um, There were rumors that she had been a child prostitute who specialized in anal sex, a sharp-tongued teenage streetwalker who cracked dirty jokes and sold her body to groups of men. She was a burlesque dancer who trained geese to peck barley grains from her knickers. <laughs> and finally, she was a, a courtesan of depraved imperial officials, um, and that's how Justinian found her. She was just a whore who had geese pecking at her pussy for, the, for money. She was just, she was specialized in anal sex. She was just, she was a whore who made it to the top. She was Empress Theodora, and they ended up killing millions. So there's still hope for you. This is also the time of the Justinian plague, which was the first bubonic plague. And so, yeah. Can't wait to hear more. I mean, your themes this week are sort of epic. You know, the entire (laughs) history of music, the entire history of civilization. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good book, and it's just it's it takes you through that period because I know the Middle Ages, I know Rome, I know Greek, I know all of those, but there's that thousand year period when you know just not a lot was happening in the world. Power of Thrones is available on Amazon. Great title because it sort of conjures up Game of Thrones. So yes. like, yeah, they knew what um, they were doing. Okay, so from epic, massive things to smaller things. Uh, telemarketers, number two. Number two. Telemarketers is a series, documentary series on Max from HBO. And it only one episode has aired so far. It tells the story of CDG, which is the Civic Development Group uh, in a warehouse in New Jersey. You know, people call you up and they say they're from the police league. And will you give them $10, $20? And if you give enough, you get a sticker that you can like put in your car in the mistaken belief that if you get pulled over for a traffic ticket, they'll let you off. The whole thing's a brilliant scam, but they sound like cops and you are sort of guilted into giving them money. Well, the reality is that of every $10 you give them, they keep 90%. And, and, and these people are only paid 10 bucks an hour they get no bonus, no sales incentive. And if you think they're cops, you are wildly mistaken. Because in fact, most of them on this phone calls are felons who've been released from jail, can't get a job, and this is the job that will take you in. So this character called Pat the Smack, called so-called because of his drug habits at work, decides to start videotaping the whole scene. And let me tell you, if you thought a call center was a boring place to work, not this one. There are blowjobs in the bathroom. People are nodding off doing drugs. There are fights. They're throwing furniture. It's like chaos. And they decide that they're going to take down CDG, um, which, which Pat the Smack has got a good turn of phrase, calls um, criminals doing good. And... I've only seen the first episode. That's the only one that's out yet. But it promises to be a wild ride. It's fascinating. I know I, I've never been to one, but I know a lot of people when they first get sober, that is the place where they will bring a bunch of people just because it is sort of like ground floor, just doing like, just doing a job, you know, and it's it's got to be the worst. I mean, just as an employee, it's got to be the worst, you know, just all the hang ups and all the rejection. But. I guess it's like being a, a, a television development executive where you're trying to sell shows to networks. <laughs> I mean, some of them do really, really well at it. And I think there's a sort of delicious irony in the fact that these people calling you up saying that they're cops are actually... Criminals. 
criminals. I mean, it's like sort of, you know, but they're the salt of the earth and, and, and they get the idea to do this documentary and there's lots of, it just, I can't wait to see that what happens next. So that's uh, telemarketers on Max. All right, one more break. When we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to our report. Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake, of course. We've been counting down the top 10, which means we've reached number one. Number one. Someone turned 65 years old this week, and her name is Madonna. And I want to tell you how generous she is. She gave me a present for her 61st birthday. <laughs> she canceled her concert. And she's, she re-announced you know, her, all of her dates with her tour because she was sick and now she's re, re But she canceled the cryptocurrency staple center and refunded me my money and my parking money. Why is that a good thing? It isn't. I'm just being uh, sarcastic because uh, it, it's, 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 it's just I think the fun. idea of going to the concert is a good one, but then it comes along and you're tired and you want to go home and an evening in sounds kind of nice, right? <laughs> no, I, I, I want to say that she's posted some pictures recently, you know, since her, since of her recovery and everything. She looks fantastic. She looks so good, and it looks like she's in a good place. She seems like she. I, I'm. I'm fingers crossed. I, you know, I cannot express how much love I have for her, and how much I am just hoping for her full recovery. And I just think I, I give her all the flowers in the world for 65. She's been with us since the Absolutely. beginning, and I, I just, I, I, I love. She- this phase of her life. She does look great. I think maybe a deadly bacterial infection is the new Ozempic. <laughs> maybe. Because, God, you know, she took out a lot of the weird plastics, the fillers and stuff like that, I think that she said. And it just, she's she's a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful, beautiful. Well, happy birthday to Madonna. But I was kind of pissed because I had a ticket to see Madonna for the first time on my 41st birthday. Oh. Um, and then she canceled it, which... She gives us, you know, the chance to buy, be the first to buy a new one. But the forum is so far away. Crypto was going to be like a subway right away. But on the bright side, oh, I got wah, wah, wah. Call the I'll, way I'll pick you up. I'll drop you off. And I'll pick you up after like your dad. But on the bright side, I got up bright and early this morning and got my tickets to Kylie Minogue in oh, Vegas. So I will be seeing Kylie Minogue and Madonna in the same week. Oh, well, that's all we got time for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Um, Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow.